For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey there, this is Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. I am your host, Nina Perez, and we are here to discuss life topics to challenge and transform your thinking. Let's do this. Today, I have Brenda Blaze Nesbitt here, and she has been a caregiver and the voice of her daughter, Nikki. For over 28 years now, Nikki has uh, severely disabled. She was born severely disabled and medically fragile. And her mom has been taking care of her since day one. And Brenda is now a certified caregiver, a consultant, a certified life coach, a peer health um, uh, navigator, and a board certified patient advocate. And she has her own company, a coaching for caregivers Canada, where she is a coach and a consultant for others who may be traveling a similar journey. And I am so glad you're here with me, Brenda, because I had uh, the pleasure of speaking to someone a few months ago that does something similar. You know, she's a coach and she helps caregivers and caregivers are not always cared for. So uh, Brenda, thank you for being here with me. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me, Nina. And I appreciate what you've just said. (laughs) Thank you. Um, The way I like to start Straight Talk is uh, just have you tell us a little bit more about yourself. That's why I do such a short bio. And then we're just going to get into who Brenda is. Okay. (laughs) Well, as you mentioned, I have a daughter, Nikki, and she is 28 years old. She cannot walk, talk, or feed herself and never has been able to because she was not breathing when she was born. Mm. At a perfectly normal pregnancy. So it came as quite a shock. It was quite a traumatic birth. And so we knew fairly quickly when she was two weeks old, we had confirmation that she suffered global brain damage from a lack of oxygen when she was born. So we were not prepared, but we were also better prepared knowing early on because we were set up with specialists and therapists very early on. Now she, she had a really troublesome first few years of life. She screamed constantly and it was really, really tough. It was really tough. And then she started to show her cute little personality and her smile started to come out and her glees of excitement. And that is what I live for every single day. Mm. Now she's not able to talk, but we have set her up with a communication device that she uses eye gaze for. So she will look at a computer screen and she will be able to select what she wants to say from that screen. So that's opened up her world quite a bit recently. But as a child, it was a very difficult road to travel. 
a lot of unknowns, a lot of fears, a lot of figuring things out as we went along. It was a maze and you would get to a dead end and not know where to turn. You have to go back a few steps, try and find a new path. And eventually you would find some help or support mm. or another phone number to call. And I look back now and I wish that I had somebody who had my back and could have guided me through that maze. So that is where my passion comes from for my business and helping other caregivers. Um, but the trajectory of Nikki's life from childhood to adulthood has been a roller coaster, but it has also been one of the most empowering and blessings that I've had in my life. Wow. To know Nikki is to know pure joy and pure love. And she has allowed me to learn more about myself, to learn that I have a voice. And not only did I and do I have to use that voice for myself, I have to use it for her. And she relies mm -hmm. on me for that. Mm -hmm. So it having her in my world has opened up my eyes and allowed me to really appreciate everybody who's come into my life because of her. And there were two defining moments when she was young that really opened my eyes and let me determine what I wanted to do with what I was given. And I, I think it's, it is natural for anyone to go through the grieving process. Mm -hmm. Even if you haven't lost a person physically, I lost that dream that I had of my baby and what raising my baby and my child would be. And coming to terms with that was very difficult. And you can find yourself in that grieving process and stuck there for a very long time. There's no time limit on grief. And caregivers will waffle back and forth through that process. But the defining moment that made me realize that I do not want to be in this space, in this emotional space, was when someone said to me, I feel sorry for you. Mm. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I realized that I don't want to come across as wanting pity. Right. I didn't want pity. Caregivers want support. We want help, but we don't want pity. And in that moment, I decided that I wanted to be inspirational and I wanted to live my life looking at what is joyful in it rather than pitying what I have. Wow. Another defining moment for me was when my daughter was about two and a half years old 
And I took her to see a dentist for the first time. And one more, one more appointment. Just add another appointment. <laughs> and after so many appointments, you get to a point where you're just anticipating some dread with it. You have to share your story all over again. Mm-hmm. Need another health professional. Are they going to be one that's really easy to talk to or not easy to talk to? And this dentist was the best health professional I had ever met up to that point. He examined my daughter and he looked up at me and he said to me, she's perfect. Keep up the good work. Oh, wow. I didn't think I heard him properly. Right. Oh, <laughs> pardon me. And he said it again. And I had to hold back the tears, hold back, jumping up and giving him a hug because nobody, not one of Nikki's yeah. health professionals, doctors, therapists had ever said anything good. All of her appointments were focused on what she couldn't do the milestone she wasn't reaching and what she would never be able to do. And that dentist recognized something in Nikki that is overlooked by a lot of health professionals. Their job is to go in and try and fix or treat the problem. Right. Whereas this dentist saw that she was perfect. Her teeth were perfect. And he could have worded it any other way. The way he worded it and the the care that he showed me was unreal. And we saw him for, I think, 21 more years of her life. And every single appointment, he would ask me, how are you? And are your needs being met? Wow. Who is this dentist? <laughs> <laughs> I want him too. <laughs> I always said that too. He was a pediatric specialty dentist. That's amazing. And uh, he's actually now retired, but we've stayed in touch. He's a wonderful man. That's wonderful. Um, I want to take it back a little bit. Uh, before you got into this, uh, you know, um, caregiving and, and being the life coach and everything that you are, were you always into like life coaching and things like that? Or was, uh, was your life different or the trajectory of where you were going in your career different? Actually, I was in, I worked at a hospital and I worked in medical administration. Okay. So being in a hospital was not foreign to me. Medical terminology was not foreign to me. But when it comes to your child, oh yeah, that's a whole is, different ball game. Yeah, and luckily I I knew how to dissect medical terminology and figure out what meant what. But it is like learning a whole new language. So, mm-hmm. without that knowledge, it was completely foreign. And fortunately, like I said, I already worked within the system, so. I knew the hospital system quite well, but I worked in the adult side, not pediatric side. So that, that was, it was a learning curve for sure. Yeah. Well, sometimes that can be good or bad, right? Because if you know too much, that's not always good either. Yes. 
You're exactly so. right. You're exactly right. I often get mistaken uh, when I'm visiting the hospital with my daughter, when we're in either eMERGE or hospital appointment or inpatient, I'm often mistaken for a nurse by the team. Right. And that's not always good uh, right. because number one, I may have a lot of lived training and, edu- and experience. I basically can do anything a nurse can do. I do all of it with my daughter. Right. But there's an assumption, if, the, if that assumption is made, then they can be overlooking some really important facts. Yeah that families may not understand or know. But even if I was a nurse, I wouldn't want to be treated as her nurse. Mm, I would want to be treated as her mother. As her mom. Yep. Yeah. Mm. That makes so much sense. You know, there's um, a friend of mine who uh, said his sister was, um, she couldn't speak either at birth or she, she couldn't uh, communicate or anything. Um, do you feel like Nikki has also taught you like a level of emotional intelligence that you've, you know, you didn't even know you had? I grew up the eighth child of eight children. Wow. My oldest sister is 21 years older than I am. Wow, big difference. I was born an aunt (laughs) and I started babysitting at a very, very young age. And I grew up with a brother who was born prematurely and has lived with cerebral palsy all of his life, fairly high functioning. And my dad had a stroke at the age of 53. Mm. I was nine years old at the time. So I feel like I was a very mature had to be. child mm-hmm. growing up. And I feel like I had that emotional intelligence already setting in. I had a baseline of it, but definitely with having Nikki, it has definitely been quite enhanced with that. I, with having a child like Nikki, it really... If a, if a caregiver is open to it, you can really dive deep into yourself, understand yourself better, and that helps you understand others better as well. Mm-hmm. And learning yeah. along the way, I'm, I'm, nobody's perfect and I, I can't, there are things that I've, I've done and said throughout the years with Nikki and some health professionals that. I have a little bit of regret for, but it's a learning process. Oh yeah. I certainly know how to communicate a lot better now with health professionals than I did when she was born. Well, I mean, you had a lot of stress too, right? It's not just uh, learning how to communicate. It's also learning self-care and how to manage all of that. That's a lot to manage, especially when it's your child. You know, it's it's a whole different ball game now we're talking, right? So um, that, you know, that's a very, you know, it's a very scary thing too. I can imagine when, you know, uh, you said it was, was it right after you said, or was it two years after that, that they told you something was off? When did you say that they finally said they confirmed it? So she wasn't breathing when she was born and she was whisked 
directly to the pediatric critical care unit Mm -hmm. and intubated. The first time I saw her, she was intubated. She had a needle in her head. She had leads coming from her belly button and her hands and her feet. Scary moment. Mm -hmm. So they had her comatose because of seizures. So there was a high probability Mm -hmm. that she would suffer some ill effects of that, but the pediatric neurologist wouldn't let me go there. He was fairly certain she would be fine, but he ordered a CT scan of her brain at two weeks old. Two weeks old. Mm -hmm. And that's so that they could allow the swelling of her brain to come down. And Two weeks old, she had that CT scan and we got the devastating news that she had global brain damage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she would mm-hmm. never be able to walk, talk or feed herself. Yeah. So at that, uh, you know, I mean, since birth, but those two weeks at, at that two week point, you knew your whole world was about to change. You know, there was no way around this. Did you end up having to go to work as well? Or did you just become the full time mm-hmm. caregiver of Nikki? I went back to work. Now in Canada at that time, our maternity leave was four months. Okay. We now have up to 18 months here in Canada. Oh, wow. Yes. I was ready to go back to work Mm -hmm. because like I said, she screamed all the time. Right, right. So I needed a break. I needed a break from that screaming. And I was very determined that I could do it all. that I could be the working mom and take care of my child. And when she turned two, she qualified to enter a specialized day program, which was an amazing daycare for children with needs like hers. And they were our lifeline, basically. Then she transitioned into school. She was in a segregated program. It was a challenge to, de- to, to decide, should I put her into the mainstream programming mm-hmm. or segregate her into this developmental program? And I decided to put her into the segregated program because her needs were not academic. Right. Her needs were chest physio, Augmentative communication, which is learning how to communicate with communication devices and medical. There was a nurse in this program, therapy, a lot of therapy in these programs. And that allowed her to reach her, her potential. Oh, good. Not an academic potential. Right. And I knew that once she got to high school, that becomes very academic and she would end up having to be segregated into a program like this mm-hmm. anyway. So we I was very happy with my decision because it met her needs well. Good. Some others were very mainstream, full integration, but I think that comes down to choice. Yeah. And you know your child the best and what is going to meet your child's needs the best. Yeah, and you know that's going to um you know get me into the next questions too, because you do know what your child needs. You do know your child best. And, and uh, some of the things that I've heard from um, other caregivers with children with disabilities, they don't feel like there's enough support 
um, from the system, uh, from the doctors, from the medical field, you know, you would think we would be way ahead at this point. You know, I mean, this is not this is not new, right? We've had disabilities for hundreds of years, um, but it seems like, and I think that's why you also are a patient advocate, right? Because you have you realized, wait a minute, I'm not getting any of the help that I need. I have to fight for everything I need, and so I mean, I'm just making an assumption that you decided I'm going to help all other people who don't know how to fight. Is that is that what you're doing? I have advocated all of Nikki's life. I've been on committees various different community and hospital committees. And every time I've advocated to affect change anywhere, I have done it with the purpose of making sure that that change helps everyone. Mm -hmm. And then I find out families before me had done the same thing. Mm -hmm. And families coming up behind me are also doing the same thing. And it seems like we're all reinventing the wheel all of the time. Right, right. But there are so many families who are exhausted, who are not as resourceful, not as comfortable speaking up, finding their voice. They were very intimidating, intimidated, sorry, by those in positions of power, like doctors, Mm -hmm. or with high education, like doctors and nurses, and they won't speak up. And they feel it very, very invisible and unheard. And in some instances, disrespected. There was a pivotal moment when my daughter was 16. And the medical, the medical team at the hospital during an inpatient stay were not listening. I knew something was happening and they were not, they were not taking into consideration any of my concerns. So I decided enough was enough and mustered up all the courage I could and decided to tackle this issue at a rounds meeting. It was mostly residents in charge And I said, listen, I don't know where we got off on the wrong foot, but I feel resistance. I've, I know my daughter and I know that something's going on, but every time I ask you to test something, you're resisting. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. And I said, are you like, am I coming across as too bold or I'm not trying to do your job. I'm not trying to be the doctor here. I need you to be the doctor. I said, you need to understand one thing. I said, I've studied my daughter for longer than you've been in school. Right. You may have your MDs, but I am the only person on the face of this planet with a PhD in Nikiology. And you need to respect that. Good for you. And that was such an empowering moment for me. Yeah, good for you. I'd had many instances with my daughter over the years that made me feel disempowered, scared to deal with it with a certain specialist again. 
anxious if I had to deal with that specialist again, because you know why they made me feel uncomfortable, but I didn't let them know that they made me feel uncomfortable because that is an uncomfortable conversation to have, but they couldn't do anything about that because they had no idea. So that conversation with that team really empowered me because I walked away from that feeling like I can deal with these doctors again and have no anxiety going into it because I've now let them know in as graceful and as a of a manner as I could, how they've made me feel and establish the expectations going forward. Did you feel a shift in, uh, in the way they treated you moving forward? Absolutely. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and hopefully that, you know, those of you who are listening that are going through this realize that you can speak up for yourself. It's okay to do that. People are even afraid sometimes to speak up to a doctor if the doctor's taking an exam that they don't need, or if they feel like they need uh, a certain exam done and the doctor doesn't want to do it, like you can speak for yourself. So as a caregiver, because um, that is, you know, caregiving is a 24 hour, seven day a week job. You can't take a day off, you know, how do you care for yourself? What's your self-care routine? Or what do you tell the people that you coach? Is there like something that is your go-to for your self-care for yourself? It's very individual. For me, I start my day off with help so that I can get up and I can have time to take care of me and get myself in the, ready in the morning. I used to go three hours nonstop getting my daughter ready in the morning with not a moment for a sip of water or anything to eat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was not healthy. So I usually have an overlap of overnight shift to day shift. And with those two people, I allow them to get my daughter ready in the morning so that I can take the time for myself. And someone else, it might be taking a bath. It might be taking a half an hour to read a book or to do some meditation or pre-COVID to go and do some yoga or working out Mm -hmm. or going out with friends. And definitely with COVID, we've had to re-examine our self-care practices for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And also like the care that you must have to take also of the people coming to take care of your daughter and all of those things because of COVID, you definitely don't want her getting COVID, you know, because of her medical conditions as well. So yeah, that puts a little extra stress, right? A little extra strain, uh, not not just uh, on you and on Nikki, but everybody who's caregiving for their, you know, for their loved ones. Um, I have a family member who has Alzheimer's, so her daughter's taking care of her and they both ended up getting COVID and they're both okay, but it was really tough. It was really tough because she had to eliminate the nurses from coming, eliminate the, the people that were helping. So it was her 24 hours, seven days a week watching. And um, so caregiving can be rewarding and challenging, right? Because it is also rewarding to know that you're caring for someone you love so deeply, you know, with everything you have all the time. 
right? I'm glad 100%. you're getting help. I'm glad you're getting help. Um, that's such a big move too, right? Because some people don't know how to get help. They get afraid of getting help. And some people feel guilty getting help, right? Because they're like, no, I should be doing this, but it is okay to get help. It's okay. In fact, it's it's the best choice, right? Because then, like you said, I have some time in the morning to get myself ready. Now, yeah. are you are you um, uh, doing the, is your life coaching or and your uh, caregiving uh, is something that you do now full-time? Is that what you do now? Or are you still working in the medical field? I left the medical field when my daughter was 11. Okay. Her medical needs were just increasing too greatly. And it was, it was affecting my job. Mm -hmm. And um, I decided to focus solely on her needs. And she has, as she ages, her, her, she becomes more and more medically complex. Mm. So it is full-time caring for her needs. It's full-time managing the indirect care, the liaison with all of the physicians, managing all of the appointments, managing the people who come in and help, managing all the paperwork. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Wow. So my business, I work around Nikki and her needs and the care schedule. Yeah. So I, you know, um, before I, I, we, we end, I do want people to know your business, right? What you do, because I, I think people need people like you, right? We need people who are out there, you know, coaching caregivers because they need that help and they need that arm and they need somebody to understand them to your point before, right? That not everybody understands completely what it takes to do this. Even some doctors, even though they've been in the medical field, unless you've actually had to care for someone, you really don't understand fully, you know? Yeah, you really, really don't. Um, So tell us a little bit about your coaching and then how people can find you and all of that, please. Well, there's a number of things that I can do. It's very individualized. So some people might need help with self-care practices and putting themselves first. And that's where coaching comes into place. Consulting might, they might need help with how do I organize staff? How do I find staff? Mm -hmm. How do I hire staff? Um, How do I manage this paperwork? How do I fill out these forms? Mm -hmm. How do I keep track of supplies or when medications are required? That's where the consulting piece comes in. Um, navigating the systems that are out there and learning how to become resourceful. I don't That's take great. no for an answer very well. <laughs> That's good. So <laughs> I teach that as well. And it's a matter of guiding people through that maze and making them aware of what's out there and also empowering them to find their voices. That's good. To speak up to follow their gut instincts and to embrace their journeys and and find the blessings in their journeys. That's so good, right? And so necessary because sometimes you can get caught up in what you're going through as opposed to the beauty of also what can it be, right? Nikki is such a blessing because she also created you who are now helping others who don't know how to get through this, right? It's amazing how that blessing has continued. Um, and she is such a blessing. She 
her smile just lights up a room and I'm blessed with incredible people who work with her, who feel like coming into work is not work. Right. It's just fun. And they miss her when they're not here. If they've had a bad day while they're off, they'll say, Nikki, I missed you. You make my life so much better. Right. So she's touching everyone's life. That's amazing. She really is. And she's touching everyone's life through you too, right? Because what you do is very important and people need that. So give us your um your website, your social media handles. I know that you're coming out with a podcast. So give us all of that. Okay. My website is www.coachingforcaregiverscanada.com. I love it. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Coaching for Caregivers Canada. You can find me on LinkedIn at Brenda Blaze Nesbitt. Blaze is B-L-A-I-S. And yes, I am starting a podcast. We are relaunching caregiving.com podcast, Caring Conversations. And we were relaunching it in seasons. And the first season I will be hosting. And we will be following the trajectory of families of children with special needs disabilities Mm. into adulthood. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. Wow. That's wonderful. I'm very Um, excited. Yes, you should be. That's exciting. Um, So um, everybody heard it here. Um, So please do follow Brenda and uh, follow her coaching for caregivers, Canada, right.com. Yes, correct. Um, Because uh, she, it's more than just coaching. Um, You know, she's helping you through a lot of navigating and, and trying to just uh, see Uh, and uh, see through all of the paperwork and all of the stuff that comes at you when you're already overwhelmed with the emotion of what it takes to care give. So I think this is a, uh, what you do is beautiful. I think the work that you're doing is amazing. Uh, Thank you, Nikki, also for being here and blessing us. And uh, thank you so much, Brenda, for taking your time to come on uh, straight talk and just straight talk, you know, like just really talk about it because more people need to. And when it comes to caregivers, you know, I'm getting older, everybody's getting older, we're gonna, you know, we're either going to be caregiving for our parents, or also one day we're going to be needing to be cared for, right? So it's good to have people like you that are going to come alongside us that need that guidance, because really, sometimes in the system, you just don't find it. So thank you for that, Brenda. Thank you. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. And thank you guys so much for listening and watching. Make sure that you subscribe to our channel so that you don't miss an episode. And please make sure that you follow Brenda. I will make sure to link everything in the show notes so that you don't miss anything. Until next time. Make sure that you visit our website at Straight Talk No Sugar Added, where you can subscribe to our show on iTunes and Stitcher or anywhere you listen to your podcast or on YouTube so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show we'd appreciate a rating on itunes or if you simply tell a friend about our show that would be awesome too if you like this show you might want to check out our book as well it's hit me with your best shot how i overcame a hard-hitting life i am nina perez and i am here for you if you are looking for private coaching make sure that you email me at hello at straight talk no sugar until next time
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.